Welcome to the Bulletproof Dental Practice Podcast, where your hosts, Dr. Peter Bolden and Dr. Craig Spodak, help you go next level with your practice, leveraging the four pillars that make a practice bulletproof. Vision, building a dream team, marketing ninja, and financial freedom. Now, let's get into it. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of the Bulletproof Dental Practice Podcast. I'm very excited today as I've got my dear friend, Dr. Uchi, on with us, all the way from Toronto, Canada, another country, north of the border. Oh, yes. It's going to be good. It's going to be very good. Uh, I'm excited. Uh, I just want to say your full name because I just love saying it, but I'm going to say it in a Japanese accent because it does sound Japanese. Dr. Uchi Odiatu. Hi. Yes. Arigato. Arigato. Hi. It's good to have you here. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so Uchi and I were lucky enough to meet each other through a mutual friend. And uh, it was love at first sight. I am so uh, enamored with what my man does for dentistry. He is not only a keynote speaker, but author and wellness expert. And I love the way you collapse the um, two different fields of, of overall holistic and whole wellness and dentistry. You see it as the contiguous line, uh, I mean, as a contiguous field. And it's so cool that you're doing that. So uh, great to have you here today. And we're just going to keep it um, relevant for all the dental listeners today. Um, what, what drives you, Uchi? Because I know you're filled with passion. So let's talk about that first. What drives you? So many things drive me. There's no one thing. You know, I'm, uh, I've been a dentist for almost 30 years. Okay. I've been lifting weights since I was 14. So 40 years. Um, I'm 180 pounds. I'm probably 10% body fat. I'm in my 50s. I have a two-year-old, just turned three today. Oh, that's uh, awesome. 1,500, 1500 active patients. Um, I speak about 35 times a year. I am in the office. I'm, I'll be in the office four days this week. Um, I do yoga a couple times a week. I do weights four times a week. My cardio takes about five minutes. I do interval training. Um, I love sharing my passion. I love igniting patients with excitement because so many people come to us fatalistically. Oh, I have lupus or I'm diabetic or my, my mom has cancer and I've been diagnosed with. And I'm like, you know what? That doesn't have to define you. Let's start eating and changing and epigenetically changing whether you'll get this disease or not. So patients leave stoked with their free brush, their floss and going, I can't wait to see you again. And my, my job is done, basically. That's what drives me. Uchi, you have that effect on people. Uh, I've been to several, uh, I've attended several of your lectures at Serona World and different events, and it's always standing room only. I've, I've had to stand in the back, and, and it's a physical and interactive um, lecture. People are moving and they're breathing and all the things that are considered like total woo-woo crap. I mean, you do that stuff and it's so awesome in your personality and who you are. You bring so much energy. I just freaking love you, man. I loved having you here at the office a couple of days ago and uh, you, you just bring so much, so much. It's not just the message, it's the delivery and who you are. So, um, well, let, let's get right into some stuff because every time I'm with you, I feel like I have to have a pen and paper out. Um, when you last came here, it's like drinking from a fire hose. There's so much information. And sure. even last night we were texting about today and you were giving me so much good feedback. It was awesome. You're, you're just, uh, you, you have so much good stuff. Um, the one thing we talked about when you were here last is that study. I want to start off with that because I've been regurgitating that information you gave about the probiotic. Do you mind just jumping in on that real quick? Yeah, well, you talk to different experts, whether it's a medical doctor or a naturopath or a trainer, 
And probiotics seems, and it is kind of new, but I have friends who are naturopathic doctors. They've been talking about probiotics for like decades. It's only now that mainstream medicine is acknowledging probiotics. But even then, a lot of people give antibiotic prescriptions. I bet you there was thousands of prescriptions for, pro, for antibiotics given today. And I bet you only a small percentage of healthcare providers were talking probiotics. And a lot of healthcare providers say, oh, you don't need them if you have a complete diet. Well, 90% of people don't eat five to nine servings of vegetables every day. 70% of adults don't eat a single piece of fruit today. So when you say you don't need supplements if you have a good diet, up to 90% of people don't have a good diet. So they need some kind of supplementation. All probiotics are, are live organisms. They're in your vegetables. You know, they're very different than prebiotics. Prebiotics feed the good bacteria in your body. There's 80 trillion bacteria in our GI tracts that need to be fed. You know, you can live on love, but your, your gut flora need food. Their fundamental relationship is with fiber. So fiber feeds our gut flora. Uh, the sad thing is uh, the average person only eats a third to half of the fiber that's recommended in a day. Women need about 25 grams. Men need about 38 grams. So literally, because gut flora make almost all the neurotransmitters. So think of what your brain's running on right now. Serotonin, dopamine, noradrenaline, epinephrine, uh, brain-derived neurotrophic factor. Our gut flora basically breaks down food and makes neurotransmitters. It doesn't come from anywhere else. It doesn't come from the air. It doesn't come from anywhere else. It comes from your food. So when you see 90% of the population not eating enough fruits and vegetables, when you think of the fact that most people are eating a third to half of the recommended amount of fiber, people are working at half-mast and they think they need more coffee, or I think I need more energy drinks. No, you just need to eat more fiber. You know? So when people talk probiotics, it's just live organisms that supplement a diet. But if someone has a great diet, if they're eating five to 10 servings of fruits and vegetables every day, you don't need probiotics. But 90% of our patients who are taking antibiotics, though, don't. So that's when probiotics come in. It's like a 30-day to 60 to 90-day regimen of taking one capsule or powder every day, and it helps to rebuild a disrupted microbiome that happens every time someone takes an antibiotic. That's in a nutshell. Well, also, you, that, that was great. Um, also, you had mentioned that there's some longitudinal study. Are you at liberty to talk about that relating oh, yeah. to um, chances of getting ill or getting sick with the common cold and probiotics? Did you, did you reference that or did I make that up? Because no, I oftentimes no. make up stuff as well. <laughs> no, not at all. You know what? It's... Um, a lot of probiotic studies have been done with sick people, people who are, have disrupted bowels, people who have IBD, IBDS, people with AAD, antibiotic-associated diarrhea. Uh, those, it's, a lot of probiotic studies have been done with them. However, very few studies have been done with healthy people. So do healthy people need probiotics? Well, there's a very good study, January 2017. It was quoted in my Medical Science and Sports and Exercise Journal. Great journal, lots of peer-reviewed. Uh, it's, it's one of the top um, sports science nutritional journals out there. And um, I don't have the exact study in front of me, but they, it was random, placebo, double-blind. There's very few studies, random, placebo, control, double-blind, because they're expensive. But they took 30 athletes, elite athletes, which notoriously overtrained. Like think of people who are training, you know, Carrie Moyev used to train, used to train when she was competing at national sport. She was training anywhere from three to six hours every day. So elite athletes notoriously overtrained. So overtrained athletes often start getting run down, colds easy, upper respiratory tract infections, um, poor wound healing, um, higher pulse rates in the morning, they don't sleep well, runny nose, dry mouth, and a bunch of other symptoms of someone who has sympathetic nervous system overactivation. So 30 elite athletes training all winter. They took 15 of them and gave them a placebo mixture, a, a milk drink, 
the 15 control group got a probiotic beverage twice a day. So over this 14-week study during the wintertime, these elite overtraining athletes, the group that didn't have the probiotic, got sick scientifically significant more often than the group that had the, the probiotic milk beverage. And lactobacillus was the basis of the, of the beverage. So um, half, of the 50, half of the 30 people got this probiotic beverage. So after 14 weeks, they've actually shown in a placebo, double-blind, uh, randomly assigned uh, uh, study, well-done study, they've shown that probiotics can help elite athletes uh, not uh, get upper respiratory tract infections. You're, thinking, you're probably thinking, like, big deal, but um, 35,000 Americans die every year from the flu and, uh, and oh, COVID. Oh, yeah. 35,000. Off this year, it kicked my ass, man. I was literally coughing for, like, 80, 90 days. People thought it was, like, black death. Like, Peter was like, bro, we can't even do a podcast. Peter Bolden, by the way, you don't know, Dr. Bolden is the co-host of this podcast. He's uh, uh, gallivanting in the Turks and Caicos kite, uh, kite surfing. Um, probably getting some good natural vitamin D and all that shit that you would have scientific research, but I call that rest and relaxation. But yeah, I got my ass kicked with the flu this year and, and Peter was leaving like saying like, you have to get that checked out. I got a chest x-ray and everything. So I know how crippling that can be. And, um, I've been disseminating what you told me about that study to everyone, not with the, uh, level of intelligence that you just described it, but I just said, Hey, take a probiotic. It doesn't matter which one. You don't have to go and get some fancy refrigerated one, just a pill. I happen to like, there's one called Align, A-L-I-G-N. I, yeah, I like that one too. I like that one too. Align, yeah, Ultima, Ultima Flora. A GI friend of mine said it's like the number one GI recommended, whatever. I mean, that's just a cool thing. Listen, we, we, all, we all have sick patients and we have kids and many of us and, and dentistry, we're, you know, 10 inches from people's faces and sometimes some of us see 10 and 15, 20 people a day. So with the constant onslaught of, you know, Things trying to get us sick. We have to do everything in our power to to, to stay well. Um, hey, hey, Craig, I, I found the exact study right in my hands here. So it said, right now, a lot of our audience is saying, "Hey, I'm a dentist. I'm a hygienist. I'm I'm whatever. I'm not an elite athlete. Who cares if it helped elite athletes?" Well, they're saying elite athletes for me is a metaphor for people who overtrain. Elite right. athletes for me a metaphor for someone who works 40, 50, 60 hours a week. Think dentist. Think busy mom. Think busy practicing mother, raising a household, single mom, single dads. And in the study, they said, don't just think athletes, think of other immunologically susceptible populations like the elderly and children. The elderly and children are the people that usually die from the flu and pneumonia. So if you're thinking of a group that might benefit from a probiotic, like these elite athletes, um, if you're an overtrained, stressed out dentist, mom, dad, or running a household and a practice, or if you're an elderly person who's healthy, not otherwise sick, or a child, they're actually, I extrapolate um, information from these studies to help digest it for audiences. So I'm saying that healthy kids and healthy older people could benefit possibly by taking a probiotic and be uh, less likely to have an upper respiratory tract infection. So this is mind blowing. This is uh, one of the best studies I've read and I love the random double blind placebo controlled nature of it. Absolutely incredible. And, and it just as a distinction to overtraining could be under resting. So if you're a weekend warrior and you're, you know, uh, you're just kind of working out periodically once or twice a week, but you're putting in a good amount of effort, but you're not getting the appropriate rest period or nutrient nutrients, you're technically overtraining. So right. you don't have to, you don't have to push really hard. You don't have to do one hour workout. You could do a twenty minute workout, but not have adequate nutrition and adequate sleep. I've always noticed, like every time I do get sick, I'm sure you felt the same way. I can always go back to the root of the cause of how I got sick. 
like I had a big night on Saturday. I had, you know, you can always trace it back. Like you had one night where you had three or four or five or six or, you know, seven, whatever, 18 drinks, you know, how it could be. Um, well, not me personally, but I'm sure people listening. And then you have inadequate rest. And then, of course, um, you run yourself down and get sick. So it's really important to, to take those necessary measures. It's funny because in, I was talking to a dentist that came down here today. He was from Grand Rapids, Michigan. And we were talking. He's like, oh, man, I want to have a practice like yours. He wanted to, ment- he wanted to come by and see what I'm doing. And it's funny because he, he works out. And I could tell physically that he spends time in the gym. And we all know that there's a necessary regimen to stay in shape. Like I, I told him, I said, if you stop working out and ate whatever felt good, you could imagine what you're going to look like in three months or six months or nine months. You could see the decay of your physical condition. But the funny thing is the mental conditioning. We never really look at our mental conditioning. There is the brain. I always say this because it's from my mentor and I know a friend of yours, Tony Robbins. Uh, that the brain is an instrument of survival. The brain is always looking for what's wrong. You have to keep yourself happy. Your brain will always search for what's wrong. It's a survival instrument. But we don't talk oftentimes about mental conditioning. I'd love, because there's a plethora of information, I think, about the physical conditioning, a lot of articles written about that. I'd love to pick your brain about mental conditioning, how to stay in a mentally resourceful state because dentistry is stressful. Our lives, many of us are balancing family and, and, and practice and a lot of the pressures of being a business owner. And I want to find out what are the tips that you use or that you can tell the audience how to keep a good mental resourceful state. Because let's face it, if you're stressed out and you're overworked and you're feeling hopeless, you're in a shitty state and your life gets worse. So let's go there if you don't mind. That's beautiful. You know what? And the sad thing is, um, only 15% of the population uses this tool, and it's probably the best tool. 85% of the CEOs of Fortune 500 companies exercise. 85% do at least three to four days a week. And their remuneration is anywhere from $2 million to $180 million a year. So 85% of the, that group exercises. 15% of the average North American uh, population exercises. And the average household income is $55,000. I'm not saying if you get a six-pack, you're going to be a millionaire but you could definitely put yourself in the path of that success route by exercising. And I'm always looking at why. I remember seeing this book in Smart Money Magazine that said there's five steps to becoming a millionaire. This is a financial magazine. The number one step was get healthy. Oh yeah. I started looking as to how come health gets you wealthy. And then I started thinking um, there must be some kind of stress response that's attenuated. Well, there's a study in 2012, Journal of Occupational Health, and it was quoted again in the American College of Sports Medicine. And they showed that um, firefighters, first responders, and police officers, those of who, who are fit, have a more attenuated response to stress. Attenuated means they have less of a knee-jerk reaction. So knee-jerk reactions tire you out. Um, knee-jerk reactions where you lash out and attack, you're only good for 30 seconds of attacking. And then you're exhausted. <laughs> Remember Muhammad Ali and um, George Foreman, the rumble in the jungle? wasn't the favorite to win. George Foreman was like three inches taller. His reach was half a foot longer. And Muhammad Ali kept coming to George Foreman and said, I'm going to make you my girlfriend. And then he came up to him and said, "Um, your mother's my girlfriend. And George Foreman was just lashing out, lashing out, attack mode, attack mode. And round eight, George Foreman had just unloaded everything. And he was basically just putty in uh, uh, Muhammad Ali's hands and boom, boom, boom. The smaller athlete had him out because he basically wore the guy out. Yeah. and uh, what they've shown is, so anytime you're angry and attack mode, it uses up all your resources because their whole body just wants to survive. And you have about 30 seconds to run or fight. So think of the dentist day. Think of a police officer, firefighter, first responder. 
You get there, four criminals. You get there, house on fire. The fit firefighters, the fit police officers, the fit first responders had less of a knee-jerk reaction. And the article went on to say that they perceive emergencies as less of a crisis, which means then, and I like the metaphor, it's mine, they stay still in the eye of the storm. The world is moving around you. Hygiene is moving around you. The impression didn't take. Broker's on the line. Wife is on the line. Your car is on fire. And in the middle, the, <laughs> the exercising dentist is staying still like Kung Fu Panda, looking at things in slow motion. And with that ability, you can pull things out of your experience and your background and make a better educated, more accurate response to the emergency. So this is pretty cool. They studied with first responders and firefighters. These are on the front lines. My brother's a police officer up in Canada. So they're, they're, they're in that fight or flight state most of the day. They've shown that fit first responders, firefighters, and police officers stay still in the eye of the storm, and they have, a less, they have an attenuated, which means adaptive response to stress. I have a question. Do they actually call them police officers in Canada, or do you call them like uh, conversation mediation experts or something? Because I know you have, you have a very nonviolent society in Canada. We talked about that. Luchi was down in my office, and uh, I was joking with him. He was like, hey, should I have a gun? Like, this is America. Everybody has guns. I was like, yeah, we have AK-47 and you know, AR-15s <laughs> everywhere. Here's your gun, enter the office. You, you, most people say, take the guns away. You say, here's your AK and uh, come into the office. Yeah, exactly. Here's a free toothbrush, an AR-15, and a full <laughs> treatment. It's a whole package deal. Um, so, th so that's wild because um, if, if you're not in that physical condition, you're going to react more. And I, I'd say that the most, the spiritual journey itself is that, is that journey from 18 inches from your head to your heart. It's that zone of how, how long you can pause from stimulus to reaction. As you can, sh as you can lengthen that pause, that's like what I consider the, the spiritual journey. You know, if you can I just- like that. I like that. And that's not mine, I stole that from somebody, but um, you know what they say, if you steal from one, it's plagiarism, you take from many, it's research. So I'm doing a lot of research. But it's true, like you, we all, we're human beings having, we're, we're spiritual beings rather having a human experience. And it's amazing how we have so many emotions that run through our mind on a daily basis. We have reaction, then we have an emotion about the way we're reacting. Um, I, have, I have emotions about how your emotions are towards me. It's really freaking crazy being human. Mm -hmm. And you can just have that pause. Um, that pause is, 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 it unlocks the beauty in life and unlocks that inner peace. And it's so difficult. But I know uh, when I don't exercise and I go weeks sometimes without exercising, I can't ever pinpoint why, but everything starts to unravel. You know, I'm sure you've never gone through weeks where you never exercise your chi. No, I've gone days. I think is, and I'm human. I miss days. But at the same time, it's a vicious cycle, though, because you get stressed out. You get busy. Impressions aren't taken. You have a meeting that you missed. Your the traffic is late. You got a birthday party to get home to. So you think, I have no time to exercise. And now you become more knee-jerk reaction to stress. Yeah. Which makes you more likely to have tension-relieving foods like cinnamon buns and, and hot dogs and white bread yeah. and jam, which makes you tired. Your blood glycemic index, uh, glycemic index spikes, which makes you exhausted. And sugar also stimulates the sympathetic nervous system. Yeah. And then you stay up later to get what you need done. And now you're in cortisol out of balance and your blood pressure is higher. You're tired. Your inhibition goes down. More likely to have a Pop-Tart in the morning. And now I'm, I'm going to have a low at lunchtime. So now I'm going to have um, a, a double coffee with sugar and some cream. And it's a vicious cycle. So it all could be have you, have you been watching me the last couple of weeks? I think <laughs> this is like a good synopsis. I placed a hidden camera in your operatory and I know exactly what you've yeah. been doing. My By the way, a very well-known uh, or well-recognized um, nutrition expert once said, I think it was Fat Bastard is his name. I'm fat because I'm hungry and I'm hungry because I'm fat. It's a vicious cycle. But he said uh -huh. it was Scottish brogue. I like I'm that. I'm fat because I'm hungry and I'm hungry because I'm fat. 
It's a vicious cycle. It's true. Uh, that, that's the deal. And I think, right and we justify sometimes, oh, I'm too busy to exercise. But I bet you if you started exercising, your life would get more slow down. You talk about that, that, that gap. So as you exercise, you can slow down. And as you slow down, you become the observer. So you become Tony Robbins, you become Richard Branson, Deepak Chopra, like, because I'm now observing myself responding. And now I have expanded time. And now I can access past events that could help me. I can now make, uh, use my body language to express myself better and bring back past incidences like this and realize, hey, that patient can be rebooked. I'm doing CIRAC. I don't need a uh, 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 you know, PVC impression. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I can actually move on. So it's kind of cool. Exercise helps you give you, I think it's more of expanded your time. So people say, and I, 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 this is one of my newest things that I'm just listening to. People say time flies. I'm thinking time flies people who aren't paying attention. Time flies for people who, who are not taking a breath in the moment. And time flies people who are not exercised because they're always in reactive mode and they're never present in that 18-inch gap you're talking about. So that whole 18-inch gap, 18, second or 18-inch gap, you call it? Well, there's two things I hybridize. is the 18-inch journey from your brain to your heart. So like okay. getting out of your brain, the reactive brain, and getting to your heart. Okay. And pause. I don't know. So that pause, then, if, if it's called, I think uh, Joe Dispenza calls it metacognition. Most people like, live in reaction. Metacognition is watching yourself. You said, I'm no longer going to swear. As I become more mindful of that, I now put myself outside my body. And as I see myself responding with a swear, I catch myself going, hey, I'm swearing. That doesn't feel good anymore. And that's metacognition. So when you become the observer, you can change yourself. When you're living in reaction, you're not observing. I'm living. But when you're observing, I'm now looking at myself above the situation. Now I can actually respond more intelligently. And that's where Richard Branson spent most of his time. That's where anyone who's doing cool things spends most of the time. Anyone you look up to has a pause between the answer. And I love the emperor who sits there and nods. And like Solomon, you make a more balanced, more global decision and everyone loves you for it. Yes, Solomonic, Solomonic thought, so true. Yeah. I want to, I want to get there too. I mean, I, you know, I don't want to just kind of go through life having the same year over and over. I want to, I want to grow and, and keep getting better. And uh, you're right. I've, I've been very lucky to, to be around some amazing people. I, I spent a week with Richard Branson observing him. Wow. Just the way he is, is just his being the way he is at peace with things. I mean, he's got probably dozens and dozens of companies and thousands of employees and, and he's, he's just transcended all of it. And I, I was asking around because I was, there was 20 or 30 people working on Necker Island. So I'd ask them, I'd be like, hey, buddy, you know, I was kite surfing with these guys. So I got to know them. I'd be like, hey, buddy, what, what's Richard really like? He's like, what you see is what you get. He's super cool. He's nice to everybody. He's present. I mean, he, he has amazing relationships. And he's such a great communicator. Another famous quote I love, it's the quality of your life depends on the quality of your communication. And communication, like you referenced, is, is only partly verbal and mostly nonverbal. It's your body language. And if you're frenetic and stressed out and a cortisol high and you're just going to blow people, you're not going to really build those relationships and your life is going to suffer because of it. Um, and so I'm really happy we're talking about this. If there's someone that's listening to this, thinking about exercising or thinking about getting more physically fit, getting in shape, the goal is not really to get in shape. It's to just change your life and stay there. You know, this whole idea that I'm going to get in shape is that, that yo-yoing of take, paying attention or not. It's really important. Uh, looking at you and your biceps inspires me. I'm ready to get, I'm ready to pump some iron here. <laughs> That's what I'm for. I am, I am seed. I am catalyst. I am um, effervescent. I am supporting your, reigniting your passion. 
for exercise. I'm, I'm ignited. Let's ignite some more people. So let's get into the cognitive part now. I know that we talked, and I also want to touch upon that thing that you said that 15% of North Americans are exercising and 85% of CEOs are. When you start, you want to model successful behavior. If you see someone kicking ass and doing it well and, and living a fulfilled, enjoyable life, see what they're doing. That's, that's positive psychology. You know, finding out what's wrong with you, negative psychology or therapy or whatever you call it, trying to dive into your problems is really not going to lead you to any great fulfillment or happiness. Model successful people. And everybody, all those people that we talked about, Richard included, I would wake up on Necker Island. He would be up at 4.30 um, kite surfing at the crack of dawn. I mean, he played three hours of tennis. He's 67 years old. Uchi had put him up against you. His endurance is phenomenal. Sure. Tony Robbins waking up, crack of dawn, jumping in a cold plunge pool to shock his body, 52-degree cold water. I mean, geez, Florida, the cold water here, when I put it on cold, is probably 70, and that hurts for me. So these people are willing to do the standard that they wish to live their life at is so high. They're just willing to endure what it takes. They're willing to have I mean, the pain, I guess, you know, working out is pain, jumping in a cold plunge pool is pain, but that, that gives them the context for their joy and, their, and, all the, and the benefit that they have. So that if, you're willing, if you're willing to do what they're willing to do, you're, you're able to have the life that they're able to have as well. So let's talk about the cognitive now. So what are the practices? Because we, we were texting late night last night. I was telling you I was stressed about something, and you were giving me some really good feedback about um, getting your headspace in the right uh, place. Mm -hmm. So let's dive into that if you don't mind. Okay, foundational. You know, people think I got to get my neurotransmitters right. Serotonin, uh, the lack thereof, um, uh, depression is the number one reason for long-term disability in the United States, depression. Depression is, for all, all intents and purposes, people who are depressed have very low serotonin. Um, GI, GI doctors now, gastroenterologists, Emron Mayer in the book called The Mind Gut Connection, uh, Robin Chutkin, gastroenterologist, microbiome solution. These are brand new books said that up to 90% of our serotonin is made. And I remember I asked my, one of my psychiatrist patients, I said, where's serotonin made? And he pointed to his head and I said, no, 90% of serotonin is made in your gut. And he goes, no way. It's made in your stomach. Oh, so wow. uh, if 90% is made in my stomach, I wonder where my serotonin comes from. Food. So if 90% of people aren't eating enough fruits and vegetables, if the average person's eating only a third to half the fiber and your gut flora, their fundamental fi number one food is not protein, it's not fat, it's fiber, cheap fiber. And, uh, and if they're not exercising, they've shown that people who exercise have more diverse flora. So if 85% of people aren't exercising, so right away, they're- Wait, exercise, exercise increases, diversifies the flora? Diversity of flora. So if, if, you do, if, if you hold everything else constant, they've shown that exercisers have more diverse flora. So if I'm an exerciser, one of the reasons that helps me live longer is my diversity. Diverse flora means I can eat and attack anything. If someone's sedentary, like, 85% of our population, they're working with one hand tied behind their back. But you can stack on good sleep, you can stack on fruit and vegetables, but, but exercise is an independent factor that affects your gut flora. And gut wow. flora, they now rocks, it rules the house. Scientific American in 2015 said, uh, the new information about the human microbiome, what's going on in your gut, is gonna shake the very foundation of medicine and shake the very foundation of nutrition. Wow. So when I'm thinking neurotransmitter health, when I'm thinking brain health, you think, ooch, if I wanted to be smarter, you'd probably read more books. You'd probably meditate. No, I'd want to have a good freaking meal of fiber and food to feed my gut flora because up to 90% of my, my neurotransmitters are made in my stomach. I'd also want to exercise. John Rattay, he's a psychiatrist. Psychiatrist, so prescribing medication, counseling. Yeah, Harvard, he's drugs, not hugs. 
<laughs> there you go. So he's giving, uh, you know, either surgical intervention, electroconvulsive therapy, or psychiatric meds. He said, exercise balances and brings homeostasis to every one of your neurotransmitters. So I'm thinking if I want to get smarter and be, have more cognitive functioning, I'm going to exercise regularly and I'm going to eat more fiber. Nothing to do with books, nothing to do with going to Tufts or Harvard. It's to do with eating fiber, so cheap vegetables and grains if you can tolerate them, and probably a daily exercise habit. That's how I get smarter. I always say exercise is the great equalizer. If you have two people of equal clinical skill and one doesn't exercise, the exercise will, all, the exercise will always outperform the exercise. I don't care if you went to Harvard or Tufts. If you exercise and you're competing clinically against a non-exerciser, the exercise will always outperform. The number one reason is because they have this neurotransmitter called BDNF, brain-derived neurotrophic factor. And it's one of the hundreds of myokines that gets released by your muscles when you move. So only 15% of the population moves regularly. So they have more BDNF, which acts as uh, an aid to communication between your neurons and it encourages neuroplasticity and learning. Like, so if I wanna be smarter, I'm gonna exercise and I'm gonna eat more fiber. I didn't talk about reading a book or going to Harvard. I'm saying exercise and eating more fiber. Is, is this not insane? It's mind-boggling. It's mind funny. As you were talking, um, you know, there's this, this, uh, there's this thought that, like, all emotion comes from motion. So mm -hmm. there's a physiology to happiness. There's a physiology to sadness. Like, you can pick someone that's, like, kind of, like, down and depressed, shoulders rolled forward, and you know that person's upset versus someone that's, like, standing more straight up and shoulders back and things like that. And if you notice, like we both have young kids, you know, you, your kid was turned three today and yeah. mine are five and eight, but kids move like they're just constantly moving. I watched my son. He's just kind of like moving. He's like, yeah, he's just constantly moving. And, and so to so that movement that, that affects your state so much and that actually can put you in a, in a more um, emotionally positive vibe or a more emotionally positive state just by your movement. I mean, people feel better when you shake up your physio physiologic state. I know when I see you at the office, you're moving around, you'll just bang out some push-ups or do things like that. But yet we're taught as little kids, the minute the kid goes to elementary school, it's like, sit still, stop moving, stop moving, stop fidgeting, stop fidgeting. So like, in, we're almost born with an innate understanding to move and to, and you know, kids are excitable. And I don't believe that matures out of you. I think we beat that out of our children. We know? start acting like adults. I think sometimes, you know, right. act mature, sit still. Well, if you want to grow old, sit still. If you want to accelerate the aging process, sit still. If you want to get chubbier, sit still. If you want to not breathe as deep, sit still. If you want to have less neurotransmitters, sit still. So I think it's made to make people obedient. But yeah. um, so you need some kind of society to be obedient, right? There, there can't be 7 billion leaders in the world. So my mom always said this, not everyone can be a brain surgeon. You need, you need all aspects of people. You need someone to work in the mind. You need someone to drive the truck. You need someone to drive the cab, or maybe not with Uber anymore. But um, I think at some point though, um, if you want to lead, whether a dental office or a community or a nation, you need to do the things that increases energy and, um, and have an abundant thinking and have good reaction to stress. So exercise, fiber. And you're thinking, Uch, when do you start reading biographies of other leaders? I don't know. I put that after. I'd rather, if I'm having an interview like today, if I'm having an interview, I'll do a five-minute interval training workout. So all 600 muscles release hundreds of myokines. Myokines are chemical compounds that are released from muscles when they're moving. They've only discovered these since the last six years. Like, this is brand new stuff that most, most oh. dentists would not have heard. So myokines, like adipo, adipokines, adipose and adipose tissue, get released from body fat. They get released by the slow drip of fat all day long. And if someone's 25, 30% fat, like 30% fat things, oh, 
I'm only 30% fat. That person's one third fat, like yeah. one third fat. And my so cadaver in dental school was like 40% body fat. It freaked me out. There's so much. I'm fat. almost half fat. Like put me on a fry pat and put me between two buns and serve me, you know? So, yeah. so, um, so um, I'm thinking if you want to lead a country, if you want to lead a community, if you want to lead your office, you got to get in shape. So you have a less of a reactive mind, have more of a Solomon like thinking. You want to exercise. So you have more BDNF brain derived neurotrophic factor, which enhances learning, whole brain learning, enhances neuroplasticity and memory and communication between all 100 billion neurons. And you have to eat fiber. Like people think, Ooch, why talk fiber? Because remember I said gut flora, they have a foundational relationship with fiber. So I started eating more fiber about eight months ago. I am so lean and jacked right now, it's crazy. <laughs> and fiber's cheap. Fiber, like whole grain bread and vegetables are so cheap. It's not meat, it's not grass-fed chicken. There you go, fruit. And that leads to one of the biggest myths in the possible. I know I'm on my Facebook page. I, I post about three or four times a day. The minute I mention fruit is good for you or that fruit has fiber, I always get two or three people going, ah, fruit is full of sugar. Yeah, but that sugar comes with nature packaged with fiber. And the that fiber- Bound to pectin. The, the, pectin, they, the skin. If it's bound to pectin, it goes right through you. If it's fruit, fiber. Your, body, your body doesn't spike blood sugar. No yeah. one's ever gotten fat on bananas. Elvis Presley didn't die from, a, from too many oranges and, and, and apples. Um, John Candy didn't overdose with uh, cherries and grapes. John Belushi didn't die from uh, grapes and candy. President Trump is not, doesn't look the way he does because of too much fruit. Fruit doesn't make people have excess edibles tissue. Your body craves fruit. It's, nat- it's nature's dessert. It's full of fiber. And I saw there's a really good study. It was called The Global Burden of Disease, written up in The Lancet in 2012. And it wrote and it columnized all the preventable modifiable risk factors that kill people. The number one thing that's modifiable that kills people worldwide is high blood pressure. Nine million people die every year high blood pressure. That's 20,000 people worldwide die from um, high blood pressure every day. The second biggest, the second biggest one, the, the thing that actually could help you not die, they said four and a half million people worldwide. And this is not my knowledge. All the people on Facebook go, oh, Uchi, there you go. Uchi talks about fruit again. Fruit is bad for you. And they said four and a half million people die worldwide every year because they don't have enough fruit in their diet. And this is not my research. They, look, they looked at 488 scientists from 50 institutions from 100,000 uh, articles, 100,000 articles. So four and a half million people die worldwide every year because of lack of fruit. So I eat three and four pieces a day, Facebook friends. And, you know, and, you know I've really let myself go. You know, like I, I'm totally <laughs> right now. I'm, I'm so edematous. I'm swollen with body fat, you know. Um, I think in America they call us swole. You're swole. <laughs> no, that's yeah. awesome. That's so cool. Fruit, fruit gets me excited, man. I'm, I'm, no, I know. You're freaking excited. I love it. Three and four pieces a day. I, I say six to nine servings of fruits and vegetables every day. I'm 180. I'm 55. I, I've got 9% body fat, you know, people, people don't ask me of those, people will never ask me of those, my grandkids, you know. Time, it's our most important asset, and I want to thank you for using your time to listen to the Bulletproof Dental Practice Podcast. Also want to encourage you to do two things right now, take out your phone, text the word Bulletproof to the number 345345. What that's going to do is put you on our, uh, for lack of better words, a mailing list that's going to send out uh, text messaging and email just whenever we have announcements, whether it's the Bulletproof Summit that's coming up in October, uh, a book launch, um, or just giving access to some some private stuff that's inside the Bulletproof community. So I encourage you to just uh, take two seconds and whip that out and uh, 
text it to us. Again, text the word bulletproof to 345-345. Secondly, please, if you're if you're loving the podcast, go ahead and um, click on your phone again and and click on the review and review us in in iTunes. We really appreciate it just so we get some feedback. And again, if it's if it's a five star, awesome, bring it. But if it's one, like put that down and let us know how we do better. Appreciate it. Have a great day. One of the things that's really cool about exercise or any habit that takes or, or any behavior that takes discipline is I, I always believe like, you know, your, your process of thinking is sub-vocal dialogue. It's, it's you're having a conversation at any given moment with yourself. Like the way you're thinking right now, like, oh, I got to leave. I got other kids. I got to pick up the kids. Should I work out? Should I do this? Like who's, t- who's asking the questions and who is answering in your mind? So there's an observer in your brain and there's the doer. Mm-hmm. We're constantly having this conversation. And when you honor a commitment to yourself, when you respect yourself enough to get up or leave work and actually go work out, you're honoring a commitment and that sense of discipline over and over, you learn to trust yourself versus breaking your commitments. Like I really should get in better shape. I should do this. I should do that. Like you should all over yourself basically. When you honor your commitment to say, I'm going to get an epic condi- uh, physical condition or amazing physical condition, and you actually do it, you're bolstering that self-confidence. You're honoring that commitment. And also, you can't buy your condition. So I, you could buy a fancy watch. This is a garment. Or you could buy a fancy car. And you could just be you know, an, an affluent person to buy something like that. When people look at you and you're in great physical condition, you can't buy that. That's a, an expression to the world of your standard of how you wish to hold your your, the respect you have for your body. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, you, you can't buy it. You can, you can buy pec implants, but you can't look. They never look good. You end up on that show called botched. You know, you, you can't yeah. buy pec implants. It, it never looks good. It never looks good. Yeah. So it's, it's honoring that commitment and all, you know, everybody wants to know like, what's the secret to success or everybody looks at success as some cataclysmic event, like not cataclysmic event, but grand event that happens where you become successful. And they look at failure as that cataclysmic uh, event. But really, it's the series of small, incremental successes that are compounded on daily. No one is an overnight success. There's always hard work that goes behind the scenes. And exercises like that, it's just day in and day out honoring that commitment. And it builds the ability to, to, to carry forward and have the hunger and persistence to be successful. So I'm, I'm, I'm really happy that we spent that time on it. Let's go to mental, though, Uchi. What yeah. I, know, I know the... the, the the brains are made, you know, in the gym. I'm, I'm hearing that. But what are practices that you do when you're not, in addition to your exercise, that calibrate? Because okay. every successful person I know has some form of morning routine, something. So I just love to pick your brain. What does the morning look like for you, if you don't mind going okay. um, And give I, us the PG rated, rating. I, I, I used to hit the snooze button like 20, 25 years ago, I'd hit the snooze button all the time. I was a snooze button expert. You know, I could do it at Kung Fu Chop. I could do it with my left foot and my toe. And then I realized this is embarrassing. So I'm delaying the getting up and starting my life. Like how crappy is life that you got to delay getting there? That is just a bad thing. So I'd say the last two decades, um, I set my, my iPhone to play in one of my favorite songs first thing in the morning. Or now I've got some kind of Tibetan little bells that go ding, ding, ding. And basically that tells your brain, please get up. And I don't, I don't jump out of bed immediately. I do four stretches first thing in the morning. The stretches stop me from just jumping out of bed and probably get, but it hurts. So I bring one knee to my chest 
after I hear my alarm. I never hit the snooze button. One knee to my chest. Then I let it go. Then I bring my other knee to my chest. Inhale and let it go. And then I bring both knees to my chest, lying down, inhaling, thinking what a cool day, letting it go. And then I call, in yoga, it's called thread the needle. I bring my ankle to my knee and thread my needle, thread my hands through my thigh and press. I'm stretching out my glutes, glutes my T-band, my piriformis muscle. I do the other leg. And then I've seen a lot of professional athletes do this. You lie on your back, you bring your knees up, your feet flat on the floor, and you let your knees go to one side, and then you look in the other direction. And then I let my knees go to the other side and look in that direction. And now I'm thinking, I've been up now for a minute. I've wakened up all 600 muscles, all 206 bones, and now I get out of bed with intention. And that's my morning routine. I've done that for probably the last 10, 10 years. And wow. it, it serves me well. It serves me well. So I've already had some good intentions. I've already been grateful for the ability to get up because 235,000 people die every day. I saw this in the World Book website. 235,000 people die every day. Um, I've stretched my muscles. I've um, anticipated some cool things happening. And I get out of bed with respect and gratitude for one more day, one more day to do what I got to do. You know, I was listening to a book on the way to uh, work this morning. Wonderful book, by the way. Highly recommend it. It's called The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. You know, but it's spelled okay. F asterisk. Okay. okay. Um, and uh, they talk about the abstraction, like how, you know, the problem is, is that we all believe that life is going to continue as is and everything's going to be groovy. So we don't have the context of how precious life is, you know, or, or, or the context of how successful we all are. You know, we, we have a, 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 a different form of context, one that's social media induced, where everything's peaches and cream and roses and sunshine. And there are studies that show that people who have been through war or that uh, successfully beat cancer are happier after those events than they were before because it shows you how how precious life is and how things can really how bad things can really get and it's funny because you know if you if if something happened to any one of us god forbid and whatever you're complaining about this week and something catastrophic happened you would gladly go back to the week prior mm-hmm. we were just complaining that your hygienist quit or that you know Delta Dental changed the reimbursement or whatever, what have you. The, the, the living is, is right now and, and things, if you're healthy, and, and God willing, everybody is healthy that's listening, you've got life made. It's literally made. But as human beings, we're you know, always searching for what's wrong. The brain is that instrument that's always looking for what's wrong. That brain is a two million year old survival instrument. Is that wrong? Is that, trying to, is that person trying to kill me? Is there a saber tooth tiger? Is that person gonna quit? Are they trying to cheat me? And that, that negative, insidious negative t- thing that comes out of the brain is something that needs to be counteracted consciously. So most of the successful people I know have a morning routine. Unfortunately, my morning routine sometimes is fairly frenetic. And uh, I, I know better. I've, I've read books. I've seen people that have awesome morning routines. It, it makes no, it's no surprise to me that you have one. Mm-hmm. I, I've, I've studied people and everybody that's fulfilled and kicking ass in life. More often than not, they exercise and they have a routine. So... Um, well, you know what? A big part, I think, of that is uh, when you talk about those questions you're asking, am I happy? Am I happy? Am I happy? Just make me happy. Am I really happy now? I'm thinking, what am I grateful for right now? Yeah. I, clean car. I got a clean car. My sunroof is open. I can feel the sun on my face. Yeah. I'm going down the road, my car is paid for. I had a good day today. I'm heading home to a family that loves me. My tires are full. My, my sound system sounds good. My yeah. Yeah. 
gratitude is the master emotion. Well, it's a total so attractive force. Yeah, fear. Yeah, it's almost like bleach for emotions. It wipes out everything else. You can't be fearful and grateful at the same time. Right. You can't be suspicious or angry and grateful. It's, it's just it's amazing to, to curate feelings of gratitude. And, and no matter where you are in life and what you're going through at the moment, there's always something to be grateful for. Always, no matter what's going on. Um, and, and speaking of that, uh, gratitude and, and, and comparing yourself, am I happy enough? Am I happy enough? I'm reading some really interesting um, data about social media and how it's making people far less happy, which is incredible. I've so, heard that. I've heard that. Yeah. So the more time you spend it, and I'm guilty of that, it's making you unhappy. It's wild, huh? Considering we, we know we put our best foots forward. So if you visited my house, I would clean up before you guys came. If, if I visited your house, you, so you're not gonna, your house is not going to be totally accurate. So we all put our best foots forward. So if I went to your house and it was clean, I went to another friend's house that was clean, went to my cousin's house that was clean, I'm thinking, my house is always dirty. Yeah, because no one's visiting your house at this point in time. So I think by comparison, as you said, comparison is a thief of joy. By always comparing ourselves, think, oh, look at Dina Zost, and oh, look at Gary Takas, and oh, oh look at uh, Bill Dorfman, he's got a six-pack, and oh, look at Howard Fran, he's a social media guru, and oh my God, Larry Roosevelt did 11,000 veneers, and oh my God, uh, look at the Koi Center, and oh, look at LVI, and I wish I was like Panky, how come I don't know Dawson? And you're like, oh, look at me, I just do one crown at a time, you know? Um, so yeah, comparison is not good. I think asking better questions is very important. I think in comparing yourself with others is not good. Um, I think being grateful is good. Um, I think any one of us, we talked about that last night. Um, I could go to my, one of my worst days in my life and within one minute, I could feel, my blood pressure could be up and my pulse could quicken. But I choose not to go there. I know it's there, but when you sleep well and you have attenuated your response to stress, it's in the far back room of my brain, never forgotten, it's always there, but it's not here. So post-traumatic stress puts, it, puts, puts sad events right here. Distance, good sleep processes emotion. Exercise processes motion, deep breathing processes motion. So now I put my sad event back here. Uh, yeah. In 2004, uh, our firstborn son was born with severe special needs. He was medically fragile. He had a breathing disorder, uh, eating disorder, and a feeding disorder. Um, he had a seizures, breathing. So he was kept alive with medicine, uh, breathing tubes and devices. We kept him at home for three years, round the clock nursing care. It was $100,000 a year to keep this kid alive. At age three, he had to go to a special group home for kids like him, about 15 minutes away. We had other kids at the time that were, that were born, lucky to us, very healthy. But this put a huge amount of pressure on our marriage and on our family and on my practice. So every day I was doing crowns. In the background, I had this five-year-old with a breathing device and seizure disorder. Six, six figures a year to keep this little guy alive. Plus, we had a two-year-old and a four-year-old at home, all the time smiling, saying, so how would you like your veneers done in the lab? Yeah, could you get the veneer done? It's A1. Yeah, she's very upset with the color. She's not happy with the translucency. And I have a child with special needs at home. Mm, God, Uchi. So, so processing all the time and working through it, you know, family, faith, fitness, I call it. 2013, he passed away. So he had pneumonia, died. Like, so we lost our firstborn son. And um, that took a lot to process. We grieved like crazy. I'm lucky for us, we had three healthy kids besides him, but he was our firstborn, the first guy, you know, thinking, well, how am I going to play baseball and to teach this little guy how to, how to drive? Gone, little Jordan, no more in 2013. So to this day, um, it's like, and we've processed it. We've kind of transformed how we look at him. He was a total guide to Carrie and I. He was a total guide to our family. He never did anything wrong. He had no ill will, but we showered mm -hmm. him with love. You know, it was so beautiful to watch a little guy. He'd sit there, and if you hugged him, 
he'd smile and that's all he did. And people loved hugging him because he gave the most sincere little smiles. And then when he transcended and left the planet, um, one of the prayers that we had on his, at his funeral was that he was gonna spend his heaven doing good upon earth. So now when I wanna think of myself being empowered, I'm thinking, um, Jordan's no longer here. I have the privilege to walk downstairs. He never walked. I have the privilege to articulate to a thousand people. He never talked. I had the privilege to eat food in my mouth. He never ate food with his mouth. So that being said, when you think of one of my, some of my worst days, when he was born and we saw all his special needs, and nine years later when he passed away, um, we used you know, fitness to transcend and process emotion. We used our faith, you know, of course. Family was tight and our, our healthy kids kept us young. But unbelievable. Um, I had to use every resource on the planet. You know, my fundamental, grew up Catholic, Christian beliefs, my Norman Vincent Peale, uh, saying the Our Father, saying the Hail Mary, and we've gotten through this. And now I can say, when I talk about Jordan, I'm thinking of holding on to something physical. It's time for him to go. And uh, I think a big part of his gift to me was sometimes in life, you don't have to do very little to feel loved. And most of us think we have to do more and more. He did so little. He just mm -hmm. looked there and looked at you. Such a cute little figure. So, and I started looking to see who else had kids that passed away. Um, I saw Richard Branson lost his firstborn son. I'm not sure it was, it was stillborn, or he yeah. lost his firstborn son. Um, I saw that uh, uh, Jim Cameron, the Prime Minister of England, Jim Cameron lost a son at age six. I think he had a seizure and passed away. Um, I saw that um, Keith Richards also lost a, a son. And um, I'm thinking a lot of people who now we've seen have not fallen behind, have had tremendous loss. And I see, and I think that tremendous loss opened up a void inside me that I fill with stuff to share and show people how yeah. to get through the craziest times. And, and instead of just surviving to thrive. And so food, eating, exercise, meditation, prayer, family, um, being the observer, fiber, you know, yeah. uh, you know, all these things help me to be here today and celebrate being alive for one more day, one more day, one more day. Yeah, it's beautiful, Uchi, and I, I knew that story, but it's just touching to hear it. Um, and I'm so sorry that you had to go through that. But, you know, I, I, I do believe that, you know, that there's this, I look at emotion, emotion like a wave in a trough. And mm -hmm. as you deepen the suffering, the trough, you're also at the same time expanding the amplitude of the wave as well. Nice. So I, I believe that as you suffer, you're expanding the ability to feel more, even though at the moment you're just deepening the loss, but you're also unconsciously at the same time expanding the vessel to carry more. And um, it, I think that, uh, that context of what, what a really bad day is, a really bad day is coming home and seeing a sick child. Mm -hmm. And it, when you see the lady bitching about the veneer, there's, you can dissociate from it a little bit. Mm -hmm. And we all, we all have a part of us that's the bitchy lady talking about a veneer. Mm. You know, I, I, I have uh, something very interesting that happened recently. I was uh, at a, uh, an event and I got put in a special area because uh, a friend of mine moved me up to a special section this event. So I was with a whole bunch of very accomplished people. Mm -hmm. One of the people next to me was Scott Neeson. Scott Neeson is a guy who started the Cambodian Children's Fund. And he was a, um, uh, he was the, president of 20th century fox television he produced or movies rather he produced braveheart and titanic oh wow and he went on a yoga retreat to cambodia and at the time he was you know kind of <clears throat> completely taken by the 
terrible poverty and the sexual abuse that's condoned there. And, and he, he happened to find this dump where children were being abandoned and children were taking care of each other. So five-year-olds were taking care of two-year-olds and they're rubbing through the dump with no shoes just to pick out scraps of food. And he's there and he's like, I can't believe this is going on. This is, this is on planet earth. These are my fellow human beings that are living in this condition. And um, he happens to take a call from a very well-known actress who gets on the sat phone and says, Scott, you know, I've, I've worked really hard my entire life. I don't know why you find it so difficult, why you find it that you have to make my life so difficult you know, I'm, I'm getting on the private jet right now, and it's very explicitly defined in my contract that the thread count of the sheets on the jet should be blah, blah. And I don't know why my life, you're making my life so hard. And at that moment, he had this total um, epiphany of, like, I, I'm living in L.A. I'm the president of a, t- uh, a major motion picture network, and I've got no reality of what's the human suffering going on. And he sold his cars and his, he gave up his position and he went to go live in Cambodia on the dump. And now he runs the Cambodian Children's Fund. And I'm proud to say he's my friend. He's put several people through um, Stanford even. He's taken these kids that are growing up in, in the most terrible conditions. And I've, I've seen pictures that I can't unsee from what he's seen. And um, it's that, but we need that because you, you say comparison is the thief of joy. It's because we oftentimes upwardly compare. We don't compare with the average. When you feel poor, you don't feel like you're making enough money. To be top 1% on the planet, you need to make like eighteen dollars or $20,000 per year. Mm-hmm. I mean, to be top 1% in, in, in the United States, you might need to make three dollars or $400,000, but that's to compare yourself to the richest country in the world. Mm-hmm. And we, we suffer unnecessarily because we're always comparing upward. But if you spun the globe at random and dropped your finger there and were dropped there, like if you were teleported there, chances are you'd have no running water or no proper toilet or no clean water. And you'd run back to this country or run back to where most of us live and be, thank your lucky stars that you're blessed enough to be where we are. Mm-hmm. And it, it, that's the human dilemma, being conscious of your situation and not being emotionally reactive and being glo- globally conscious, being a, mm-hmm. the observer. Mm-hmm. And for those people that are listening that really are complaining and have nothing to, com- nothing to feel grateful about, just, just don't be so myopic and be a little bit broader. And I'm saying this not only as advice for everybody else, but for advice for me to heed as well, because I suffer unnecessarily. I had a guy from Grand Rapids like, oh my God, I want to be like you, like this practice. It's amazing. You've made it. I'm like, bro, I haven't made anything. I'm the same spot. I'm still human. I'm still suffering. I still have moments where I don't feel good. I don't feel yeah. worthy. I don't feel um, that, uh, that things are going well. We suffer. We invent our problems sometimes. So I think it's really important for all of us to, to have that level of transparency, in our, especially in our profession, because it's hard. And uh, we're, we're all very blessed to have what we have, even, even for those of us who believe they're suffering. So I think this was really cool that you shared that. And, My pleasure. Yeah, really cool, man. So um, that was a lot. We covered a lot of ground. I hope that was valuable for people. What's one piece of advice beyond fiber, beyond exercising, beyond <laughs> gratitude, beyond um, everything, all that beautiful value that you added today? What's one parting piece of advice that you'd love to impart to our listeners? What's one thing that you could tell them as well? Well, I'm a, I'm a gentle coach. I'm a gentle lecturer. I tell people that there's one thing you can do in the next 24 hours once you hear this podcast 
Um, don't wait till Monday. Don't wait till next week. Don't wait till next New Year's. Take action on one little thing that resonated with you. There's one thing that resonated with one of your 110 trillion cells. Take action on it. Is it one piece of fruit? Cool. Celebrate. If it's being grateful more often, celebrate. If it's read a book, you know, celebrate. If it's go to a lecture, celebrate. Is it exercising? Celebrate. Is it buying a pair of shoes? Celebrate. Just celebrate. So I'm saying take action on one thing. That's my one thing. Don't analyze it because this is annoying. Knowledge is not power. I think taking action is the ultimate showing or manifestation of learning something. A lot of people have it in here. They even have it in here. It never makes it to their feet. So yeah. take action on one thing that resonated with one of your 100 trillion cells and make it easy. Buy, eat one more piece of fruit tomorrow that you wouldn't have eaten then today. Yes. And, I, and, I, and celebrate. I can jump up and down and go, I'm a fruit eater. I'm a fiber king. My gut floor is singing. And that'll be cool. So celebrate uh, by having uh, taken action on one thing. That's the one thing I could share. That's awesome. That's awesome. There's that quote, uh, knowledge is not power. Execution is power. Mm-hmm. Love it. Knowledge is potential power. You got to mm-hmm. make it, make it happen. So if, if Uchi or I said something today, I agree with that. Take massive action, eating one piece of fruit, small successes. I think that's awesome. Get up. I mean, and exercise doesn't have to be that elaborate. Everybody's like, Oh, I have to go to, you know, sports authority and get a headband and you can just do air squats. I mean, you could just literally move around in your chair, anything. Right. Stand. Yeah. Exactly. You know what? And if people want, I have a bunch of different things I, I send out, just Word documents. I have a five-page workout called Exercise When Less Is More. So it's a five-page article I wrote on how to make interval training. Interval training is the science of the five minutes of alternating intensity on a treadmill or a stationary bike is better for you than one hour of steady-state training. So one hour of steady-state training, it's like um, vanilla ice from the 90s. It's so 1990s. If you love it, do it. If you're running long-distance marathons, that's what you got to train. But if you're a time-starved dentist, five minutes is all you need. And it's better for you. It'll increase your max VO2. It'll increase your cardiorespiratory fitness faster and more efficiently than steady state training. So I have a five-page article I can leave on your site or the podcast so people could download Perfect. that if they want. And I'll send that to you as a Word document. Okay, that's awesome. We'll put a link in, our, in the, in the um, show notes about that. But also, I um, just want to let people know where they can get more of you because um, li- literally I've, I've listened to you for tens and tens of hours and every time I get something new. So I want to thank you for, for being here. You can actually go to his website, which I like to call it druchi.com, but yeah, it's really www.drucci.com. That's D-R-U-C-H-E.com. And we'll have that in the show notes as well. Uchi, you're a freaking force of nature. I feel blessed to call you my friend. And thank you for imparting all the knowledge and extending the friendship to uh, all these people that are listening to the podcast. Uh, we all really appreciate what you do and, and uh, your energy and, 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 and your heart. You're awesome. I am dental kung fu panda. Yeah, you don't want to be kung fu panda, by the way, Uchi. He's like a fat blob. You want to be like the... I am also paradoxical. So I am still yeah. kung fu panda. Okay. I am paradoxical. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right, Itchy, good stuff, man. Thank you so, so much. I know you're busy and really appreciate you spending the time here with us today. Pleasure. Awesome, buddy. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Bulletproof Dental Practice Podcast. We'd love to hear your thoughts about this episode. Please rate and review us on iTunes or your favorite podcast source. Check out BulletproofDentalPractice.com for video interviews and text BULLETPROOF to 345-345 to stay connected to us for special announcements. Have a great day.